Thanks for listening to Schlereth and Evans On Demand, presented by Bathfitter. Hey guys, if you drop the ball when it comes to your bath or shower remodel, Bathfitter doesn't just fit your bath, they fit your budget and schedule. Bathfitter will install a tub or shower in just one day. Bathfitter's price guarantee is a slam dunk. Bathfitter, it just fits. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. Time now for the DenverSports.com front page. Stop what you're doing and listen. Taking a look at the top stories in Denver sports taken from your online home for the best opinions and information on the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, and more. What in the name of Dan Issel? With today's DenverSports.com front page, here's Schlereth and Evans. start with the abs as uh, DMAC was at the game last night does a nice breakdown of the return of Jack Johnson and and what it meant Jack Johnson just seamlessly sliding right back in like he never left played 19 minutes and as you watch that game the abs were just so defensively sound last night disciplined Vegas had, had come out and said, we want to play a certain way. And the Az were like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll play your game for a while. We'll be sound. We'll be disciplined. But we don't think you're going to be able to keep that up over the course of 60 minutes. You're, we're just going to wait for you to crack. And they cracked when when it was a four-on-four four and uh, Vegas took a stupid cross-check penalty, created a four-on-three. The Az were just flying around on that power play. All kinds of chances while they didn't score on the four-on-three. They kept the momentum going even after they were back to five on five. They get that second goal, hockey game over. But uh, Jack, John, you 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 see why the Avalanche wanted to bring this guy back and the value that they place on a guy who is so solid but not spectacular. Yeah, last night I thought no wasted motion. Right, there was no. It, it didn't feel frenetic. It just felt like very, like very buttoned up. Dialed in, good defense that transitioned to offense. Does if if that I mean no, that's makes my sense. novice. No, that's no. kind of my novice it, it, take on watching it. And and the Avalanche, look, they win a Stanley Cup last year. It's great. But one of the one of the one of the to me, one of the most satisfying parts of their journey towards winning the cup was they completely dispelled the notion that if you play them tough, if you lean on them, mm-hmm. if you play physical, that they'll crack. And that was kind of the old avalanche, right? But what did they show during the playoffs last year? Whatever style you want to play, bring it on. You want to go up and down? Bring it on. You want to play tight checking? Bring it on. You want to try to play rough? Bring it on. You sound like Dirty Harry right there. Come get a taste. Yeah, he did. You're like, whatever style you want. And you sounded like Dirty Harry right there. Dirty (laughs) Harry. You gotta look like that lady. Same same jeans. Oh, stop it. If you just had stop it. you got identical. If you just had the hair, the big bouffant, yeah, the like big with the pencil in it. Yeah, wig on. He's a righteous dude. He's a righteous dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a couple more notes from the Avalanche yeah. game right. last night. No fair. I did this earlier in the show, but I'll toss it out to everybody listening right now. Okay? Mm-hmm. Quick trivia question. Do not look it up. See if you can name it. Yeah. Four Avalanche players in Avalanche history have reached the 40 goal or more plateau. Can you name them? 
And you got three of them right away. Mm-hmm. Miko Ranton enjoying the list yesterday. Joe Sackick. You guessed Peter Forsberg. Incorrect. Right. You got Nathan McKinnon, right? And you got the fourth one. Mm-hmm. I was very impressed. Twice. Milan Hayduk. Yeah. So those are the four that have reached 40. And you were stunned to find out that uh, Miko Rantanen becomes the fourth Finnish player right. to uh, reach 40 goals. And none of them. None of the other ones are Rantanen's. Nope. He but. becomes the Excuse me, fifth Finland board player. Right. He becomes the first Inanen. First Inanen. To get first to, to probably many Inanens well, that will get there. I don't know. Eventually. I would think that Rantanen bec- comes from a long line of Inanens. That there are a lot of Inanens in yeah. Finland. I bet you if you the, went and got a phone book. Oh, my god, The white pages. Oh, yeah. The Inanen section. Oh. I'm the one guy that surprised me that didn't score 40 while he was here. And... I'll have to look at the stats because I'm sure he got close like 39 a couple times. Soderberger. You think Soderberger? Yeah, Soderberger had it. Soderberger! It's hard to score 40 when you're flipping burgers at the same time. You know, you're running a restaurant. Oh, see. boy. Let's see. Real quick, now you get me curious. Yeah. Most goals scored in a season by our pal Soderberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not even close. His career high is 23 in a season. 23. With the Avs. Well, I mean, but 23 goals and 2,300 burgers flipped. Good point. That's, that, I mean, you talk about multitasking. <laughs> Good point. Excellent point. I cannot argue with that. Mm-hmm. So the Avs. Like, oh, and one other quick thing about the Avs. Yeah. Johnny, we gotta get we gotta send out birthday wishes. Oh, that's right. Happy birthday to Jared Bednar. Bedsy, fifty one today. Fifty one. Practically a kid. Happy Youngster. Birthday, happy birthday, what do you think Beds did for his uh so you think he had a birthday dinner last night after the victory? Happy birthday, happy, happy Maybe he cried. No. One thing we learned about Bedsy, he he sometimes has trouble uh, keeping Most, the waterworks in, right. in Emotional check. incontinence only yeah. when he wins the Stanley Cup. Otherwise, that man is as hard as... <laughs> you after, turn that up. Turn that up. That's, that's, that's going to be in your head for a while. You're going to... At about 2 o'clock this afternoon, you're just going to suddenly go, Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Yeah, that that is not... No. Bedsy is... Uh, Bedsy. There's a, no crying. Bedsy, there is no crying. That is a tight 51 right there. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> He's harder than an ED commercial. <laughs> that guy. Bow chicka bow wow. Guys, stout. That's right. Rocky Mountain Men's Clinic, everybody. Next, we got uh, free agent centers. Cecil Lammy writing about free agent centers. All right. Offensive line. All right. Cecil looking to get rid of Cush. Yeah. Talks about uh, Garrett Bradbury. Ooh, but he's had some injury issues. He missed some time. Out of Minnesota, he was a, everybody's favorite, was a first-rounder, like the 23rd, 24th overall pick when Tommy was doing the show with uh, 
Tommy Nalen was doing the show with D-Mac. Um, Tommy loved Garrett Bradbury. He's a good player. I don't know that he's turned out to be as top-notch as people thought he was going to be. Would, would you consider center a need, or would would are you happy to run it back with, with a healthy Kush? Um... Listen, I wouldn't pay, I wouldn't overpay for a Garrett Bradbury. I just, I don't think Garrett's, one, he's kind of undersized. I just don't think he's been, and I haven't watched all the Minnesota games, obviously, but I just don't think he's been what people thought he was going to be coming out of college. He's been good. He hasn't been, he hasn't been stellar by any stretch of the imagination. So why are you going to overpay for that? Yeah, I just think that that's, that's, a, that's a position that you you should be able to find a guy. You should be able to find a guy. Now, when it, when it comes to the O-line, would you bring back, if, if the number was right, would you bring back Dalton Reisner? Um, if the number was right, yeah. Would I bring back Dalton Reisner? Yeah, I would. But you wouldn't extend to bring back Dalton Reisner, no, I wouldn't. I w- like if the like if Dalton Reisner came at you and there was it, there was he had he tested the free agent market and the market was fairly soft for him. Would I consider bringing him back? Yes, I would. Do you think the league will look at Dalton as a guy that uh, was just was just hampered and hamstrung by the situation he was in? Poor quarterback play over the years. Poor offensive coordinators over the years. Poor poor teams over the years. And therefore, somebody will look at him really favorably. And he'll get priced out of what the Broncos want to that's how play. That's how I assume it'll be. And remember, the injury last year that he missed time with was what? An elbow? Like not one that you get too overly concerned with if you're an NFL franchise right on the medical side. So... Um, yeah, I would imagine that he will get credit for playing in a horrible offensive situation over the last, you know, four years of his career, the first four years of his career. Jake Shapiro at DenverSports.com writing, as the rest of Colorado sports keeps rolling, the Rockies getting left in the dust. I, maybe, Jake, maybe you haven't been paying attention, Jake, to uh, to what's been going on in spring training. The Rockies may not lose a game. Do I need to remind you about this? Here's a breaky ball that's hit high in the air to left and gone, and the Rockies take a one nothing lead. You you talk about swung on, gone? Mm-hmm. Might have hit the scoreboard out there. And Chris Bryant, a tremendous home run, and the Rockies have the early lead. How many wins is that, Johnny? W, W, right there. Three Pretty soon, I'm gonna have to uh, write an apology letter to Dick Monfort. Yeah, how dare I doubted you, Dick? Dick is gonna send a uh, a letter of the fan base, the "I told you so" letter. Mm-hmm. Coming out to Coors Field. I told you we'd be good. That's right. Uh, have the Rockies been left in the dust? You think this is a new occurrence, Jake? <laughs> this is somehow news. <laughs> this is new. The Rockies are 
are unique in the in the Colorado sporting landscape in that there are zero expectations. Nobody really cares. I, my gut just is like, it's a fun experience to go down and watch a ball game. Like you always say, the, the, the star is the park. And nobody seems to have a problem with that. Here. No. The, the media that is out for blood when it comes to, you know, the Broncos. Right. Just, yeah, you know, whatever. With the Rockies, the fans that are normally... You know, very, very on top of the other teams and demanding and looking for heads to roll. Just kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever. Keep, mm-hmm. you know, same old model. Just keep trotting out. I, I've, yeah, it's it's amazing how in this sports town, the Rockies truly stand on their own. Yeah, it is. It, it really there are like I have some <clears throat> we talked about it last year. If Bedsy, happy birthday, doesn't get his team deep or at least into a Stanley Cup Finals, you know, or at least a Western Conference Finals, the, the, like he's probably going to be gone. He admitted that. And then you got Michael Malone right now with guys like James Merrillat saying every night, you know, Michael Malone doesn't make the right choices. But there are a lot of people that would look at him with the number one seed overall in the playoffs and say, man, if you don't get to the to the finals. Like, that's not good enough. There are no, like, it is odd. There are zero expectations. No, there are expectations. You expect the Rockies to be bad. So, if they even play close to 500 baseball, you're like, hey, pleasant surprise. You know what? It's not even that I expect them to be bad. I just expect them to be dick. You know? Because, because actually, they have they've never they've never lost a hundred games in a season, so they've been able to avoid that. Mm-hmm. But they're just, eh. you know, I just there's no expectations. I don't even expect them. To, I don't expect them to be good. I don't expect them to be horrific. I just expect them to be the Rockies, right? Interesting, isn't it? It really is. It like, really it, is. It, there's it feels like there's almost zero accountability when it comes. You know what? It's like America's pastime. You put on the Rockies in the evening. You eat dinner. They're on in the background. Yeah. You, you check, catch an inning or so. You know, you... And eventually, you know, the six rolls around and... You know, they throw a couple gas cans out there and then... <laughs> and yeah. then you nod off to sleep. Yeah. And you... It's amazing. And I know. you wake it, up it, the next morning and go, ah, they lost. They lost. All right. Moving on. Yeah. Okay, they had a great start, though, by, uh, you know, Marquez or Marcus or whatever however you, whatever his name is nowadays. <laughs> That's right. That'll do it for uh, the DenverSports.com front page. As always, uh, free content to you, constantly added to and downloaded throughout the course of the day. Again, at DenverSports.com. You want to comment on uh, any of the stories, hit us up. Ramoslav.com, text line 303-713-1043. How much stock do you put in these Russell Wilson vacation photos and videos? Well, again, he's looking skinny. He looks leaner. He doesn't look like if there was one word that I would use to describe Russell Wilson Mm -hmm. last year. And believe me, 
having had this stare back at me in the mirror for mm-hmm. many years, I've, I've got a lot of words I can use that, that probably accurately describe it. He just looked bloated to me. Mm-hmm. Just bloated. Let me ask you this. Like he was retaining water. Just bloated. Because I think I quit following him on social media because I didn't want to see anything this offseason because yeah. I was always just irritated. So I have not seen any of the pictures. But you being an aficionado of what good beach time looks like, <laughs> do you think that Russell on his team has the official Brazilian waxer that you use for your back and your nether area? Okay, first of all, stop right there. Okay, nip this in the bud. Now, I freely admit I've owned this over the years. I'm uh, a back waxer. Okay. okay. I freely admit that. Right. Uh, you know, I belong to the Harry Back Club. Mm-hmm. A lot of you guys out there, you are members as well. Mm-hmm. So come summertime, I like a clean back. Okay. But I, I stop there. Mike. Mark. Mike. <laughs> you don't go. When you go to see the boys, ah, don't you want Come on. When you go to see the boys, don't you want the the boys clean? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. No. No. Happy, just, happy children. No. Just ask. A lot of time I'll play along with you. I'm not doing I'm not doing that. We're not playing that game. So you just let it flow in the speedo. <laughs> I do not boys. wear a speedo. Oh. Okay. Come on. <laughs> I think I think I I'm pretty you I, I think I'm beach. pretty honest, okay? I'm not I'm not I'm willing to share a lot with the great listeners out there, right. okay? I'm I'm to a point. I'm not gonna let you besmirch me. I just see you walking on the beach with the boys in the speedo. <laughs> Look like two rhinos wrestling under a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be jelly, cause jam don't jiggle like that. <laughs> Oh. I got so excited. My nose started bleeding. <laughs> we got a bleeder. Dude can't hold his mud. No, I can't. I can't. Uh, but, yeah, seriously. Okay. If Russ is, that, I'm not saying it's a big deal, but. Oh, but it's a big but deal. It is because. Because it tells you that message has been sent and he has received message loud and clear. I think is that fair? I think that's Well, fair. I don't even think it was a message that had to be sent by Sean Payton. I I'd like to think that No, I think it's I, from Broncos country and everybody else. Well, I just think I just think it's his own understanding. I I I think the one thing that we we talked about at length down the stretch was he has to as as tone deaf as he comes across. He has to deep down inside there's got to be a part of him that acknowledges Hey, I got to change some things. Right, my career is at a crossroads. Mm-hmm. I have to change some things, and if I want to be Drew Brees in the second half of my career, well, you know what Drew Brees was right up until his last day, and even after he had retired, there was still video of Drew Brees out there like pushing a sled around his neighborhood. Yeah, after he retired. So I, if, if there. Put it this way: There are a lot of boxes that Russell Wilson has to check this off season, uh-huh. and getting in better shape is one of many. Let me emphasize: one of many. But it is still a box that needs to be checked, and it would appear that he is taking that seriously. What did I say near the end of the season? We need to see when Russell Wilson comes back from mini camps. 
We need to see a body transformation that has us all saying, whoa. Whoa, he looks like he's in great shape. You're right. Right? You know, when, when, when um, years ago when I was out, out in the offseason um, with, the, with the Saints, I was out there in the offseason, we had gone through, like, the facility and gone out to the, uh, the training facility. And lo and behold, who's in there by himself doing drill work and doing all the Tom House stuff? All the, you know, you're, you're shuffling your karaoke and you're doing this with your shoulders and you're doing all kinds of arm swings and all that, all that stuff that you see all the quarterbacks working on. One afternoon, in the heat of summer before summer camp when everybody is off, like the whole organization is shut down pretty much. And there's Drew Brees in there busting his ass by himself and you know, doesn't need fanfare. Um, what did, what did uh, Sean Payton call it? Uh, anonymous doning, just doing, just getting his work done, and was meticulous when it came to being in shape. And yeah, I I think the message has been, you know, the message has been sent loud and clear. And I, I mean, not like like you said, not necessarily from Sean Payton or anybody else. It just from like understanding how bad you were last year. Yeah, and that things have to change. Yeah, and. Understanding, and and for somebody who came across all last year, where we all were left wondering, does this guy get it? Right. Well, maybe in this case he does, and that's a good starting point. Yeah, let's hope. And that's a good starting point. Did you say anonymous doning? I love when you make up words. Yeah, and well, he said anonymous. He donors. says we don't need anonymous donors. We need anonymous. So you donors. turn. Well, we need anonymous donors. Yeah, right? but he was anonymously doning. Yeah, I don't. You just you conjugated can't. that in a way I don't think you can do. Well, if you're a donor and you don't, are you not doning? Touche. Yeah, right? Touche. You're doning. That's a good point. We Take need more data. More anonymous doning. All right. I'm going to roll with that. I like that. I like that. Here's what else I like. I like it when uh, J.J. Reddick, who's becoming more and more an influential voice when it comes to all NBA matters, stands up for Nikola Jokic, as you will hear next. When the day is done, the game is over, and you need a break from all the stress, relax in your tub or shower from Bathfitter. Bathfitter will fit your budget with a price match guarantee. No money down, no payments for up to five years. Get the ball rolling. Visit bathfitter.com today. You're going to need a bigger boat. It's time for Schlereth and Evans' big story of the day. Why is this that you're so... You're so... Big. Here's Schlereth and Evans with this morning's biggest story in Denver sports. Big mistake. Big. Huge. Sean Payton speaking this morning at the Combine in Indy was asked when it came to the Search for a defensive coordinator. He was asked about Vic Fangio. Do I think he would have been a great asset for us? Yes. And so we were planning, you know, in this year away, if, if the right scenario came up, that we'd work together. And I think this one was just a little unique because it wasn't too long ago he, he was here. But certainly I tried, talked to him, tried to twist his arm. And I'm excited for his opportunity in Miami. I think he's a talented coach. I, we went against each other for years like our teams, and uh, it was always a challenge. All right, so there you go. He wanted he wanted Vic. Yeah. Sometimes you don't get your first choice. That's right. Sometimes, you can have a plan. Sometimes you got to have you, – sometimes you, you – you, so he did have a plan. Sure, he had a plan. Vic was his first choice, but he had a pivot. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because plans change. Right. Because – and by the way, this is 
this is this is not a surprise. Again, folks, the worst kept secret in football. Sean Payton did not was not burned out. Sean Payton wanted to coach football this past year. The plan yes. was for him and Tom Brady and Vic Fangio to go to Miami. Go to Miami. Yeah. That was the plan. And that plan fell apart after the Brian Flores lawsuit. So Vic Fangio was already thinking about Miami. Mm-hmm. And so when you're a guy like Vic Fangio and you're in demand, guess what? You're going to have options. And it can be your plan to try to get Vic Fangio to come here. But guys like Vic have enough options to say, yeah, well, that's not what I want. And so you move on. Plans there, change. There are still people within this, I would imagine, within the franchise that, you know, Vic didn't feel comfortable coming back here after just being released a, you a know, year ago. A year ago. Mm-hmm. George Payton was here. You know, PR staff was here. I don't know who else was in the building with Vic Fangio, but, you know, I just felt maybe it felt a little raw. I want to do that. Maybe he's already, I, I think he already relocated to the Miami area anyhow. I think he did. As far as I know, I don't know that for sure. So don't fact check me on that. But I know that the reason he started consulting with the Philadelphia Eagles is because they were down there. Eagles were down there for scrimmages, joint scrimmages, joint practices with the Miami Dolphins, and they had called Vic Fangio and say, hey, man, will you come kind of be a practice and kind of help us out? So that's how that – I don't know if that's where the relationship started, but that's where Jonathan Gannon, who is now the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, and Vic kind of connected. So do you hold this against Sean Payton in any way that he was not able to follow through on his first choice, that he lost his first choice? Absolutely no. I mean, why, why, why would you hold that against him if the guy doesn't want to come here? You're not. You can't force him to come here. You can't force him to come back if it's raw for him and he felt slighted or he felt like he didn't get the, you know, he didn't get the respect he deserves or whatever. Well, why do you want to come back here? I understand that. Well, Vance is coming back. Well, Vance doesn't. It's been longer, longer for Vance, and most of the principals are gone now. And that was John Elway, and that was, you know, that wasn't George Payton. And plus, yeah, you're talking about not only coming back to a situation that uh, is, is did not end well, but you'd still, in theory, be working for a guy who fired you. Right. So, yeah, you, that 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 is that is a lot to potentially overcome. But and, and another reason why I love I love the idea of Sean Payton. I I heard. A lot of Parcells there. I heard some Shanahan. Just brutal honesty. Yeah. You ask me a question, here's your answer. Yeah, I, I wanted Fangio. But so w- w- moving ahead then with Vance, it, how, how do you how do you look now at the Sean Payton, Vance Joseph Do your relationship? I, I don't. Dynamic. I look at the, I look at the Sean Payton dynamic with Vance Joseph like I look at it with all his other coaches. Do your job, and we're going to be fine. Don't you'll be looking for work. I, I, there's no, there is, there is no, like secret formula. Produce. That's the formula. It's pretty simple. Like Sean is, I think Sean is very cut and dry. I think he's very much like Mike Shanahan, very cut and dry when it comes to do your job, and we're all going to get along just fine. Right? Boy, did, 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 Mike, did Mike Shanahan show that 
when he was changing defensive coordinators like socks back in the day, mm-hmm. there for a while. After Greg Robinson, how many did he go through? Quite a few. But, you know, the, here's I think here's the point that people don't necessarily understand. Like, philosophically speaking, and based upon the way you want to operate as an offense, like, there's a complementary nature to the style with which you play defensively that needs to match the style that you play offensively and how you have to complement one another and how you may have to, based on personnel, based on all these different things, tweak your system to a degree to fit what you guys are trying to co- uh, to what you guys are trying to achieve collectively, and I think that that I think that that's an important aspect of okay, how do we want to approach game to game? How do we want to approach you know our philosophical approach to to football versus your philosophical approach? Like, do those things mesh well together? And like, I'll I'll go back to. What I what I happen to think at the time was the the best melding together of an offensive philosophy with a defensive philosophy in football, and this goes back a couple of years to the Baltimore Ravens when they hired Wink Martindale to be their defensive coordinator, and they had Greg Roman as their offensive coordinator, and they had this collegiate run game. So they're always going to get single high. You're always going to get post safety because you run the ball so exceptionally well. And the quarterback run becomes very prominent. This is this goes back to when, you know, Lamar Jackson was winning MVP. Um, and so their philosophical approach was, we're going to run the absolute snot out of this football. We're going to possess the football. We're going to crush you in the way we possess the football. And the defensive philosophy was not death by a thousand paper cuts. The defensive philosophy is... Let's attack on first down. Let's create second down and 12 situations. Let's bring pressure on a consistent basis. And let's make you take a couple of three and outs. And then by the middle of the second quarter, you've legit had three possessions and you're going, we may get one more possession. And now you're like, oh, shoot, we got to scrap out our whole our whole offensive plan because of what what's going on. You know, you're down... You're down ten nothing, and you feel like you're down. You're down by ten. You feel like you're down by twenty four because you're counting possessions and how how well they possess the ball. Like that is the best melding together of two philosophical approaches, offensively and defensively. Speaking of melding, when we played that Sean Payton clip, we were clearly it's new. Still, we did not have Payton's music behind it, Ooh. and so that's that's our Dang bad. It. So we're gonna do it again. Okay. Do it right. So this is Sean Payton. Uh, talking about Vic Fangio. Do I think he would have been a great asset for us? Yes. And so we were planning, you know, in this year away, if, if the right scenario came up, that we'd work together. And I think this one was just a little unique because it wasn't too long ago he, he was here. But certainly I tried, talked to him, tried to twist his arm, and I'm excited for his opportunity in Miami. I think he's a talented coach. I, we went against each other for years, like our teams, and uh, it was always a challenge. Yeah, I think we need a little bit. I don't want you to get mixed up. But I think we need a little bit more in the background, a little bit more noise, you know, a little bit more volume to the. Well, I think you need to start the, the, 
the guitar riff right at the beginning, then go into Peyton, and then leave it up underneath. Try again? No, 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 no. But no more Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah. Let your clackers breathe. Yeah. I heard a lot of that. There, there was no, it would have been, most coaches, most coaches with that question would have come up with some BS answer to make it sound like Vance was their guy all along. Right. 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 Don't want any hint of controversy, so let's just make it sound like Vance was my guy all yeah. along. Plan A, right? No. You know, whenever the team drafts somebody, he was number one on our board all along. Right. Right? So I can't I like, believe he dropped to us. <laughs> right, right, right. So what I like about this was him saying, yeah, uh, yeah Vic was my, my number one choice and couldn't make it happen for whatever reason, so... uh you know what? You know what else? And he didn't. Know? And he never once moved it back to Vance. Yeah. It was like it was, it was kind of implied. Like, yeah, Vic was my top guy. Couldn't get him. Moved on to the other guys. Mm-hmm. Vance and I, I think, kind of saw some things on the same page. All right, Vance, show me what you got. You know, there are so many things. Very you, clear. There's so many things you can do with your clackers. That that particular speech right there by Sean. Yeah, he just put his clackers on the table. Yes, he did. He didn't. Okay, so you can let your do it. So you can let your clackers breathe. You can let them breathe. You can let them dangle. You can slap them on the table. Okay. So that was slapping the clackers on the table. Yeah, just slapping your clackers on the table. You're right. And by the way, you want proof that guys like Mike Shanahan, Bill Parcells, Sean Payton will say, "Yeah." Show me what you got, otherwise we'll move on. Mike Shanahan, between 2000 and 2008, went through four defensive coordinators here in Denver. Greg Robinson, Ray Rhodes, Larry Coyer, Bob Slowick. Do your job, or I'll find somebody else. Yeah. Ain't that hard. Ain't that hard. Up next, J.J. Redick. Boy. He loves himself some uh, Nikola Jokic, and he has a very, very pointed message to all the Nikola Jokic haters out there. And you'll hear it next. It's Schlereth and Evans on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Love me some uh, J.J. Redick. This guy's really made... Uh, a fast, fast impression. Yeah, yes. He's, he's been great. Over at ESPN. And not only as a studio guy doing color commentary, he did color on the Nuggets-Clippers game Sunday night, did a nice mm-hmm. job there. Also does a podcast called Old Man in the Three. And he has this message for the uh, Nikola Jokic haters. A lot of the conversation around Nikola Jokic is this idea of eye test and analytics. It's as if to say the analytics that reflect how dominant Jokic are are not reflected by the eye test. It's as if to say if you watch another player, it's clear they're more valuable. And my question to people that would say that is what the f*** are you watching? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it is good. That is so good. Yeah. He's so calm, mm-hmm. measured. You're like listening to a professor lecture. Right. And at the bo- and he just drops that. Just drops the F bomb. The f are you watching? <laughs> right. And give me my props. Didn't I say this yesterday morning in talking about the game that so often the argument for or against Jokic 
as the MVP are his astounding numbers mm-hmm. and the advanced analytics. The analytic geeks love Jokic, whereas for me, the the eye test argument. I would just tell anybody if you want to see what an MVP looks like, watch the final five minutes of that Clippers game in regulation and then in overtime, and you will see a guy. That's how an MVP looks. Mm-hmm. That is the way that he uh, plays. That is the way that he embraces the moment. That is the way he says, hop on my back. That is the way that an MVP says, if we're going to lose, I, it's, we're going down with, with me captaining this ship. Right. And that's the eye test. So if you want to go with the numbers, fine. Mm-hmm. But if you want to go with the eye test, he passes there as well. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to me. Because I see it in football all the time, too, that many, many people will get athleticism confused with, like, what's what's the right terminology? Athleticism, somebody's athleticism will get confused with their football acumen because they can overcome bad situations athletically. But one of the things I always say, and, and this especially in regards to the quarterback position, that when your default mechanism, things are going to break down. Mike, what do I tell you all the time? The 70-30 rule. Things are going to break down 30% of the time. When your default mechanism is I've always been a better athlete than you, I'll just go be an athlete, that's great when you're 22, when you're 23, when you can outrun people. What happens when all of a sudden you reach your prime at the quarterback position and you're 32? And now you've never truly developed the above the next skill set that it requires to play that position efficiently, right? And and you're relying on athleticism that no longer is what it once was. That's when all of a sudden you're like, wow, that guy fell off the table quickly. That's why guys like Brady or guys like Breeze don't fall off the table quickly. But they have staying power. More from Reddick, who I, I think just absolutely nailed the the whole idea of what a true, true MVP is. Because when I watch Jokic, I see dominance, someone who makes his teammates better. Think about this for a second. KCP, having his most efficient season. Aaron Gordon, having his most efficient season. Michael Porter Jr., a beacon of efficiency. Jamal Murray's entire game is benefited by that two-man action with Jokic. Bruce Brown having his most efficient season of his career. Like, what are you watching? Do you understand basketball? I don't know that there's a player in the NBA right now that makes his teammates better more than Jokic. I think that's very fair to say. So when we talk about value in a team sport, I think he's at the top of the list. Recently, Tom Brady does a podcast with Jim Gray, mm-hmm. and he had Bill Belichick on, and clearly a a thawing of whatever real or perceived tension that existed between the two of them. They spoke glowingly about each of them, but Belichick said Brady's greatest attribute was he made everybody around him better. Mm-hmm. And isn't isn't that really what? an MVP is. I, I think Correct. so often we blur the lines between stats and, and just the idea of most valuable. Right. And well, I, I, because uh, people get most valuable confused with 
best statistics or or the most compiled statistics as opposed to the value you bring to your team and what you do for everybody else. So that's that's the essence of, of, in my opinion, of team sports. And this guy gets his. That's the amazing thing. Right. Well, Brady always got his, too. Exactly. But yet he got his by making everybody else better than they they really are. Is Nikola Jokic the Tom Brady of basketball? Not very athletic. Ooh. Exceptionally handsome. (laughs) Yes. 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 There's no difference between... Tom Brady and Nikola Jokic yeah, in the looks department. Looked, I looked at <laughs> Nikola the other day and I thought, is that Tom Brady? Oh, no, no, no. That's Jokic. Ooh. Both very handsome. By the way, those scratches. Dude, I don't know what's, I don't know what's, it's like he's playing against somebody that had acrylic nails on or something. Like, you ever seen nails. anything like that? What's going on there? He's you always been it. scratched up. He always is carrying around a couple scratches. I've never seen anything like that. No. It's like he went, you know, 10 rounds with a, a Puma. You know those. You know those, though. Remember, like, the old circus days when it was always some Eastern European guy wrestling a bear, right? You'd think his brothers have him on the European circus circuit. <laughs> To make an extra well, those, little extra money. Those are fresh, though. That's what I'm saying. You get done playing a game, and the brothers just haul you out in a car over to the Serbian circus. You got to wrestle the bear. Bear got a little feisty. All right, let, me see, you up. let me see if I can finish this on a, uh, on a, on a, a positive note here. It's why Same. I know he's the boogeyman, but it's why you just got to tip your cap to Mahomes. Mahomes loses Tyreek Hill. And what did everybody rail about? Hmm. Oh, Holmes isn't going to be the yeah, same. They're vulnerable now. They're vulnerable. Yeah, he was he lost the cheetah. Yeah, he's just better. And then you had people like me reminding the greats make what they have around them better than they really are. Yeah. Brady did it forever. Peyton did it forever. And Mahomes is doing it. And what did Mahomes do without Tyreek Hill, he went out and had a better statistical season right. without Tyreek Hill than he had with Tyreek Hill. And he made a bunch of Jujus and Skies and McColls and uh, 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 Kadariuses and MVSs into mm-hmm. a juggernaut. That's what most valuable is. Yeah. That's what Nicole is. And tonight they play Houston. Over, under on the amount of shots that Nikola Jokic takes tonight I think he, against a terrible Houston team. I think he takes under 10. I think I'm going to go with he has more assists than points. I that that's a, that's a good call. Well, he'll definitely get the double digits in points. Like, I could see him being like 6 for 9 today. But then have 11 assists? Yeah, I could see. He won't have more assists than points, but he'll have more assists than shots taken. How about that? Okay. But I could see him him coming away with like 15 points and 17 assists. Okay. I I could see something like that. But you're probably right. More... uh, 
more assists than shots taken is probably a better. And this is this is the beauty of him because he coming off a game on Sunday in which he's like, okay, I need to be an MVP tonight. I need to be an MVP down the stretch in overtime. Yeah, and I, I will. Do that. And I did that. Yeah, tonight, yeah, tonight. Eh, you know, I'll just. I don't need. It didn't really happen. <laughs> w tonight w. it didn't happen. <laughs> W. By the way, Bud, how many wins do you have right now in spring training so far? W. 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 3 0. Uh, we leave you once again, kind of the uh, top developing story of the morning. Vic, uh, Sean Payton at the combine uh, talking about uh, the defensive coordinator search and how Vic Fangio was his top choice. Do I think he would have been a great asset for us? Yes. And so we were planning, you know, in this year away, if, if the right scenario came up, that we'd work together. And I think this one was just a little unique because it wasn't too long ago he, he was here. But certainly I tried, talked to him, tried to twist his arm, and I'm excited for his opportunity in Miami. I, I think he's a talented coach. I, we went against each other for years, like our teams, and uh, it was always a challenge. Okay, Players Club uh, lined up on deck, ready to respond to that. They're coming your way next. When your team is in hot water and you need a break from the play-by-play, Bath Fitter can install your tub or shower in just one day. And just like a coach, Bath Fitter is in your corner offering a watertight, seamless wall. A design consultant will take accurate measurements of your tub or shower and recommend the products that fit your budget. Bath Fitter has special financing available with no money down and no interest for up to five years. Now that's a game changer. Visit bathfitter.com to book your in-home consultation. Bath Fitter, it just fits. 